listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. Podcasting to you from the middle of Oklahoma where I'm learning about cold water hydrotherapy. I am one of your hosts and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from Piedmont, Oklahoma, I'm Andrew Hoffman. There you go. You ever done the, the cold water hydrotherapy? I have not. No, I've, I was thrown off by that. I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> have you ever you, have you seen all these people talking about cold showers and the medical benefits of it? Yeah, the uh, the liver king talks about that. I know, but oh, the liver king. Yeah. So does that have like benefits for your liver? I don't know. He he just eats a lot of like raw meat and okay liver. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot of uh, people out there talking about cold showers, swimming in like cold rivers or oceans and submerging in cold baths. Well, you might have an opportunity there. It's, it's going to be chilly tomorrow. Uh, it's chilly today. Yeah. <laughs> I went out and tried to uh, stick. I stuck my feet into the river today. It's uh, the, the water, I think, is 44 degrees. So. That's cold. I think it'll be colder tomorrow. It might might be sub 32. Yeah, yeah. Might see some more icebergs in the water tomorrow. So, no, I decided to go with the the much cleaner and controlled environment of the bathtub plunge into the cold water. Well, and and now you feel great, right? (laughs) No, I woke up feel I woke up feeling poorly, and uh, was just trying to do anything I could to try and get rid of this headache I, I can't tell if i slept on my uh my neck wrong or i don't know the barometric pressure changed pretty huge we had a cold front come through in the night and uh i just i don't know i just noticed it just feel like a like a heaviness it's weird i don't know we don't usually have like this much cloud cover and, and you know storms rolling through so it's been uh yeah, bring back the sun yeah <laughs> it's been gone for but it's been a day it's been a full day where'd the sun go so well, uh, yeah, who knew? We'd, we could still talk about the weather even in Oklahoma. So That's right. Yeah. And we can... Yeah, we could talk about other stuff, too. What do you, you want to start out with something, or you want me to... No, uh, let me see. I was going to look at my stuff here. I think, I think you might as well start us off, though. I enjoy your usual kind of outline. So Okay. Well, I, I mean, obviously, we got to talk about Matt Taibbi just posted something to his Substack, and it's a the exact art. You know, it's like the perfect article. Joe Biden's awesome first year <laughs> to win an exhausted nation's admiration. All Joe Biden had to do was nothing. Instead, he's burning future votes like kindling. <laughs> And it just talks about his poll numbers are way down and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, 
I'd have to say nothing Joe Biden has done has surprised me at all. Yeah. No. I mean, this is this is exactly what I expected. Uh, maybe maybe slightly less functional even, you know, because even during the campaign he could kind of talk to a teleprompter or with the teleprompter a little bit if he kept him in the basement. I don't know. It's it's pretty bad. I I do have a couple Joe Biden clips. Well, we might have we might have to get to him. I think somebody lefty leaning like Taibbi, you know, even though he does question the establishment, he leans a little bit left. Maybe somebody like him is a little more surprised. Like, oh, this is a this is even this is this is not good. Yeah, I don't know if he does. He actually admit that it's worse than Trump, or does he just like? I mean, let's not jump to some crazy conclusions here. Here's here's one take I have yet to see, and I, I'm certainly not gonna say this. Have you seen a single person say, "Man, I wish we had Hillary"? <laughs> no, no. So I mean, it, as bad as Joe Biden is, as bad as Trump was, you know, portrayed in the media, not. A single person says, oh, I really wish it, it would have been so much better with Hillary. <laughs> yeah. So. She's waiting for it. All, all she needs is one person to say that and she will be, she'll be back. <laughs> she'll click her heels and then okay, magically, and magically appear there. I'm back. I, people are calling for me to, to step in. The current version of this old man, uh, enfeebled old man, who's left every half-cocked pseudo-intellectual in Washington occupy, who, who's let every half-cocked pseudo-intellectual in Washington occupy his White House. Their fixations achieving what was previously thought to be impossible, driving loyal minor, uh, minority voters into in droves into the arms of Donald Trump. Ah. <laughs> uh. This, I'm not. I'm not going to read that whole article, man. It just okay. came. It just came across the feed, and I thought it was interesting. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he does mention that it. It doesn't say it's worse than Trump, but that it could be as bad. Yeah. Well, you know, you people gotta... people think it's better. Have you used the new Substack Reader yet? I have not. It's it's nice. It's a. It's still in beta for some reason, but seems to work. Uh, you just. Click on Substack Reader, and it shows all your subscriptions lined out, you know, chronological order. You just scroll through and click on the ones you want to read. So it's hmm. quite quite handy. And you can, you know, if you're doing show prep or whatever it is you're, you're doing, staying informed, you presumably subscribe to Substack uh, accounts of people that you're interested in, so it's... A nice, easy way to see it all in one place. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that looks awesome. Um, and it looks like you got, you got a Substack out earlier today. Earlier today, yes. Uh, I, I, I said, you know, how can I be less relevant than talking about a hundred-year-old book like the last Substack? So this one is uh, from a anti-vax 
speech from 1896. Okay, good. On on the smallpox vaccine. Yeah. So. Seems seems relevant. I saw that all over the TikToks recently. All the, <laughs> the, the speeches on the anti-vax speech from 1876. Yeah, 1896. Yeah. Oh, so which 96. is it's Sorry. from 1896, talking about a hundred years before that in the whole Edward Jenner thing. So wow. Some some history that didn't quite make it into today's textbooks. Sh- shocking. If. If I were to say, like, what did you learn about Edward Jenner in school, what would you say, Tim? I don't know that I know who Edward Jenner even is. Okay. What is, what is, is he, who is he? He's the guy who invented the smallpox vaccine. Ah, okay. And modern vaccination in general. Gotcha. All right. But we'll, I've got a, I've got a quote for the from that uh, for the end of the show. That'll be my my words of wisdom will be allocated for that. So. Okay, perfect words of wisdom. I got to remember to get to it. So, all right. Well, where do we go from here? Do we go? Do we do your Joe Biden clips? Is that is that what we have to do? Uh, not necessarily all of them. Okay. But uh, yeah, play some. Played Joe Biden on uh, on voting. Is it is there two of them or just one? Well, see, I don't have the. Let me look here. Uh, Joe Biden count the vote. Count the vote. Two. <laughs> if that's is this mic on? Just anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not sure either. But anyway, I hope we can get this done. But I'm not sure. But one thing for certain, one thing for certain, like every other major civil rights bill that came along, if we miss the first time, we can come back and try it a second time. We miss this time. We miss this time. And the state legislative bodies continue to change the law, not as to who can vote, but who gets to count the vote. Count the vote. Count the vote. It's about election subversion, not just whether or not people get to vote. Who counts the vote? That's what this is about. That's what makes this so different than anything else we've ever done. I don't know that we can get it done, but I know one thing. As long as I have a breath in me, as long as I'm in the White House, as long as I'm engaged at all, I'm going to be fighting to change the way these legislatures have moving. Thank you. <laughs> you want to summarize that? Uh, um, <laughs> he's in charge of those who count the vote? Count the vote? Count the vote? Yeah, it's, he's... So if I give him the benefit of the doubt, I think what he was trying to say was that he he was initially talking about the Congressional Voter Rights Act or whatever they're calling it. You know, right. It's always the opposite of what what the name uh, describes. And he's he's was kind of admitting they're probably not going to get it passed because of uh, Kristen Cinema and. Um, Joe Manchin. Right. But saying, oh, I don't know, but we could always come back. And then he gets 
angry kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> and I think what he was accusing the state legislatures of is that they're the ones subverting the way you count the vote. But it, he didn't transition it well at all. And it just kind of sounded like he was, he was still talking about what they were doing. Like, it's all about subversion and we got to count the vote. Who counts the vote? <laughs> so, which, you know, of course is, uh, you go back, I think, was it uh, Stalin? who said, I, I don't care who, who votes. I only care who counts the votes. I think that is Stalin. Yeah. So that's Uncle <laughs> uh, and jo- and Joseph Stalin was uh, was referred to as Uncle Joe in the U.S. <laughs> those so. those who vote decide nothing. Those who count the vote decide everything. Yeah. So I, you know, if you're a politician, yelling "count the vote" uh, over and over again, not the best look. So I don't know. It was. It was a rough one for Joe. Um, and maybe a little truth wants to come out moment there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is the most popular president in U.S. history. So <laughs> won the popular vote, counted all them votes, you know, and then, yeah. you know, won the popular vote with less counties than any president in U.S. history. Yeah. So speaking of popular politicians... Uh, let's let's play Dan Andrews from Australia about the booster. Dictator Dan. Absolutely crystal clear. This is not an option. It's not a an add-on. It's not a good thing to have. I think we're very close to a change in policy that will simply reflect the fact that in order to be fully protected, you need to have three doses. Not two plus an optional extra, but in fact to be fully protected, to be fully vaccinated, uh, to have fully played your part, you need not two plus an optional third, but three doses. Uh, I don't rule out there being other groups that become the subject of a mandate. We did it for the best of reasons last year, and it's why we can all be very proud as a Victorian community that 93 plus percent of... Mandatory. Yeah, making it mandatory. It's almost like... You know, they're backing off some places and then full speed ahead other places. Australia just gets to be the, like, what What would happen if we just went full out, like, authoritarian? Let's, let's find out. Australia, you get to be, you get to, to go for it. Full 1984, full, we'll jab a needle into your arm. And then in other places, they they are backtracking and they're talking. uh, You may have heard this talking point, um, living with COVID. Yes. Have you heard that going around? So we're going to have to live with COVID. And I thought this was a a great uh, article from Off Guardian, uh, Kit Knightley, Uh, what they really mean by living with COVID. It says, why are the media dialing back on the COVID hysteria? Is it because the pandemic is really over? Or is it an important part of the gaslighting process? The past few days, even weeks, have seen a definite alteration in the media's attitude to the COVID pandemic. There have been numerous examples of what, if the media were not so tightly controlled, might be referred to as dissent. 
but since the media is tightly controlled, we must call it an apparent change in the message. Famously, Dr. Steve James, a consultant anesthetist, uh, confronted UK Health Secretary Sajid Javid over the weakness of the science supporting vaccine mandates. Note that this was actually aired on Sky News. Which and that we, was uh, we, we played that clip. The yeah, well, we had a listener who actually sent that clip in too. So yeah, so the science isn't strong enough. Clip right. Mm-hmm. So and he, you know, of the doctor who had had COVID, and he's like, oh, you know, why are you making me get vaccinated? I've got better immunity. Not being vaccinated, just with having had COVID. So and then. The article goes on. A few days ago, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC, went on Good Morning America to discuss the Omicron wave and ended up pointing out that most Omicron deaths have multiple comorbidities. In another interview with Fox News, Dr. Walensky said the CDC was going to publish data on how many people had died of COVID and how many people had died with it. This begs a series of questions. Why is the director of CDC seemingly engaging with these COVID skeptic arguments after two years of pretending they don't exist? Why would a Sky News air then tweet out the video clip of a doctor challenging the health secretary? Why is the Guardian running headlines like, End mass jabs and live with COVID, says ex-head of the vaccine task force. And quoting medical personnel who said we need to treat COVID like the flu. Why are new studies being promoted that claim T-cells from ordinary colds can protect you from COVID? Sorry, had to cough there. No worries. And there's no denying the messaging, the deceleration of the narrative. There's a new thread being woven into the story. Living with COVID. For over a month, that has been a popular buzz phrase all over the Western press. On December 1st, Forbes headlined, Why Endemic COVID-19 Will Be Cause for Celebration, an article which argued, among other things, that endemic COVID-19 will be no worse than seasonal flu. This sentiment has been repeated ad nauseum across multiple outlets. Just a little aside here, uh, Bill Gates himself said it'll be kind of like the flu. We'll just be living with COVID. Which was, you know, quite interesting. We already mentioned the Guardian article from January 8th, but there's also an earlier one from December 5th titled From Pandemic to Endemic, This is How We Get Back to Normal. CNBC ran three almost identical stories on this topic in the space of two weeks. The COVID pandemic could end next year, experts say. Here's what that looks like and how the U.S. could get there. The pandemic could end in 2022. Here's what normal life might look like soon. According to medical experts, Omicron could burn through the U.S. and potentially hasten the COVID pandemic's end, says expert, December 22nd. So every every week, a new piece saying the same exact thing. Kind of interesting. On New Year's Day, Vox had a piece titled, Despite Omicron, COVID-19 will become an endemic. Here's how. I don't know why it's despite, but anyway. Um, Bloomberg is reporting that Omicron signals the end of the acute phase of the pandemic. Just yesterday, the New York Post headlined, COVID will become endemic by later this year. All right, so he goes through some, or I'm not sure if Kit, yeah, Kit is a he. Uh, Goes through some more examples. 
He says, when they say living with COVID, what do they really mean? Well, firstly, let's not make the mistake of trusting any government, media, or expert just because they start telling 20% of the truth. They are liars. They have an agenda. This is always true. You should always be aware of it, even when, or especially when, they are suddenly telling you what you want to hear. They have not seen the light. They are not correcting their mistakes, and they are not finally seeing sense. And they are not switching sides. There have been no <laughs> Damascene conversions. There's no wave of guilty consciences sweeping through the elite. Uh, you want to time code this, Tim? Sure. I'm going to take a drink of water, but also it's the clicks are really loud. Okay. So I don't know <clears throat> if they're really loud to me. Um, I don't. I'm guessing they'll be really loud on the the podcast there. Yep. All right. And getting back into it. They have an agenda. They always have an agenda. You should also dispel all notions of getting back to normal from your mind. That isn't happening. How do we know? Because they said so. Half the articles talking about living with COVID go into detail about how things won't really change. Take this one from The Guardian yesterday. Living with COVID does not have to mean ditching all protective measures. It outlines that COVID could become endemic soon and that the mass testing of asymptomatic people may be counterproductive and possibly should stop. But it doesn't reverse course or ma on masks or vaccines and leaves the door wide open for a new variant to jumpstart more lockdowns in the future. All right. Living with COVID does not have to mean reversing every protective measure. If better, if better ventilation and face masks reduce the impact of winter respiratory illnesses, that is a positive even if the NHS is no longer under imminent threat of being overwhelmed. We will also need to remain vigilant about the threat from new variants, which could still cause big setbacks. There's no guarantee that another variant, more infectious and more virulent than Omicron, could emerge in the future. Scientists say that supporting global vaccination efforts will be crucial to securing the path to normality. Masks, working from home, and social distancing in crowded settings could all be sticking around, according to one of the above CNBC articles, and COVID boosters could become like annual flu shots. Meanwhile, experts are warning that even once COVID is endemic, we should prepare for surges every three or four months. It seems living with the virus means maintaining the status quo, loosening a few restrictions, but leaving the path clear for new waves of fear porn should the need arise. But why? Why are they doing this now? It could be that there are splits in factions, fractures along the floors of the corridors of power. Perhaps some of the members of the great big club want to halt the pandemic where it is, afraid that any more progress along the great reset path may imperil their own position or their own wealth. Maybe. What I see as more likely is that they sense they have overextended themselves already and that stretching further could break their entire story to pieces. To use an apt metaphor, imagine the Great Reset agenda as an invading army marching through town after town, winning battle after battle, and burning as they go. There comes a point where you have to stop. Your supply lines are pulled taut, your men are tired and numbers dwindling, and the occupied citizens are putting up more and more resistance. Push on now and your entire campaign could crumble. What you do in that position is withdraw to a defensible position and fortify it. You don't give back the land you've taken, or not much of it at least, but you stop pushing forward. The people whose land you have invaded will be so glad that war is over, so tired of fighting, they'll be so relieved by the respite before realizing that much of their land has been t 
much their land you've taken away. They may even say, let them keep it as long as they stop attacking us. That's how conquest works from the days of ancient Rome and beyond, a cycle of aggression followed by fortification. When we switch from pandemic to endemic, we won't be getting our rights back. The vaccine passes and surveillance and the culture of paranoia and fear will remain. But people will be so relieved at the po- at the pause in the campaign of fear and propaganda, they will stop resisting. They won't push back, and the new normal will literally just become just that, normal. They'll probably greenlight funding for anything Bill Gates wants to do to make sure COVID is the last pandemic. And then one day, when people are nice and docile again, a new variant will come back, or we'll need a climate lockdown, and the push for control of every aspect of our lives will start up again in earnest. The best thing we can do is not fall into the trap. The press, politicians, and big pharma didn't all just realize the truth. They're just using some small parts of truth they've been ignoring for two years to fortify their position. But that doesn't make it a a bad thing. The very fact they need to do so shows that the resistance is building and that they are trying to lull us into relaxing. Now would be the worst time to stop fighting. I thought that was an excellent take and it makes some sense of the seeming flip-flops going on by the cdc uh you know talking heads biden doesn't hasn't gotten any of the new memos he's still you know pushing ahead with the the other part but you've got the supreme court decision where it's like okay yeah you can't mandate it for every company just but you can mandate it for healthcare facilities because Newsflash, virtually every healthcare facility takes federal money in the form of Medicare and Medicaid. So there's, you know, this is, it's the agenda marches on, and I agree with Kit Knightley, now would be the worst time to stop fighting. Interesting. It's interesting you bring this up because I was going to bring something to you that I had been kind of hearing and reading about. And have you heard of the rug pull theory? No, I have not. So the rug pull theory is that basically, and I don't necessarily subscribe to this theory at all, but it's just something to, it's a different way to explain the same phenomenon that this, that Kit was just describing that you're Mm kind of highlighting here. And that is that a group of people, you know, the shadowy, shadowy would be elite plan this thing out. But they want to destroy every government in the in the world in the process. Um, so, what they do is they bring in kind of their face, the people that are facing forward. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the face of the organization of these different organizations, Dictator Dan, Joe yeah. Biden, yeah, and they have them ring in the t- the 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 tyranny, mm-hmm. and then don't tell them that the second part of the plan is to make everyone so mad that they would rise up against those people and then get rid of them, making way for a brand new form of government behind it. So essentially you would have Fauci not being in on it. That's part of the plan. Fauci's not in on it. Everybody keeps pushing forward. It's clear tyranny. It's, it goes, mm-hmm. you know, it's going better than they thought it ever would, but there's a, a certain percent that are absolutely not going to go with it. And eventually the, the longer it goes on, the more, deaths that happen as a result of the vaccines the more and more people wake up and 
if it came out, like if we just like had a, an official, you know, your mainstream media started saying, yeah, these, you know, vaccines, they weren't quite ready to go yet. Uh, but we rushed forward because it was so unsafe. I mean, you'd have civil unrest pretty quickly, especially considering if they like actually shed light on how many people died. Would you, though? Because all that information's available, and we don't have civil unrest now. I know, uh, yeah, hey, listen, first off, <laughs> I don't necessarily subscribe to this this theory, but, but second off, yeah. if, if we're talking about mass formation, okay, and you and I are in the 20 or 30% who didn't fall for it, we're talking about the other 60, 50 to 60% of people who did. So, and there's people who don't, you know, care one way or the other. But if, anyway, it's just, that that's the theory. Is no, that, it's, it's, it's interesting, and there's, I mean, that's all the way, always how it works with, uh, you know, U.S. presidents. Right. This is an old Alex Jones line about their, their birdcage liner. You know, it's the, you got the New World Order bird using the president as uh, the birdcage liner for all the droppings. And when people are, are tired of, of one bird, birdcage hmm. liner, they hmm. pull it out and put in another one. And But the same same agenda goes on right and you know i mean it it is it's there's similarities to what they've done before but there's also something they're they're going for something bigger i mean that they have pushed harder with this thing uh than anything else in our lifetimes i mean even 9-11 um, it wasn't as invasive into our everyday lives. It was just like, okay, now now your airport experience is different. Right, right. right. Now, if, if you're in the military, obviously life is much different. But for, for people that uh, were just living their lives, there wasn't nearly the, the level of change that they've pushed through with this. And I... Where I agree with um, with Kit Knightley's take is they want to preserve, you know, all that medical surveillance infrastructure, and they especially want to maintain the the idea that some good some vaccines are good, right? So, okay. They might let it come out. Okay, uh, these, you know, we we said, you know, we were rushing them out, but as it turns out, they those weren't those weren't very good vaccines. You know, we we even see the the Pfizer guy kind of hinting at that right last week's show. Right. And as as the rug pull theory goes, they're they're you know even Pfizer's starting to pull back, saying, yeah, well, it doesn't seem like it works very well. And then also part of the rug pull theory is they want to go after the kids for maximum uh, rage so Mm. that if the same amount of kids start dying, it'll be harder to hide and the people will be, you know, extremely, extremely angry. Yeah, they should be. (laughs) They should already be. (laughs) Yeah, they should already be. But, you know, we've kind of subscribed to the, the idea that they're not giving the same vaccines to everyone. Yeah. And there's, I've got another post in there today, some more analysis on that. But, you know, this is, it, it's very much an experiment. Uh, it's, 
every part of it has been an experiment where the lockdown rules were slightly different in different locations. Uh, you kind of wonder how many of these, quote, good governors like DeSantis and what have you, you know, are, are they acting on their own? Are they playing out their part of the script? Um, you know, there's no true anti-vaxxer in, in power. I'll put it that way. Yeah. We've got the, you got the Rand Paul saying, pointing out like, well, you know, natural immunity, this and that, but like, where, where's the vaccines are poison. Stop taking vaccines. Like this is, you know, that level is, is not there. And that's, you know, I think the rug pull theory works. Um, you could kind of combine them where, yeah. like, yes, there's people that are going to take the heat, but they're going to attempt to only retreat a tiny amount. You know, this is not going to be like, okay, so we don't need a global surveillance medical right. tyranny state it's like oh well we need that we just need you know we need more of that actually because look how bad it was with the current system we need a new system we need a new financial system we need a new you know a world health organization with with teeth to make sure all this happens and then that's where they want to get to you um you know what what tricks they pull along the way and and the methods for getting there are, are certainly up in the air but yeah, I got some. I actually just found this because I hadn't actually read it, but it's a good summation of the rug pull theory. Uh, it's from the Culture Chronicles, Tyler Farley. Highly speculative, so consider all this is more of a thought experiment than anything. On and on and on. The vaccine rug pull theory can essentially be summed up like this. After a certain period of pushing vaccines and boosters nonstop, there will come a point when the media and even officials completely reverse course and declare the vaccines are now a problem. They will say they don't work and they may even admit they are unsafe and millions now have to get regular checkups to monitor possible health problems. At this point, you might ask yourself, what would be the point of that? Why would they suddenly change course and say they were wrong? The reason is part of the great reset mindset in that everything must be torn down to, so it can be rebuilt. In this case, such a worldwide reversal would cause an overwhelming majority of the population to suddenly distrust almost all aspects of government and media. Those who oppose the vaccine and mandates will claim they were right and the government scammed us. And those who believed in all the vaccine hypes will join them and declare they've been scammed as well. The population for the most point will join forces in their distrust of the system in general. What will this do to open the door for radical new systems of governance that would otherwise be outright opposed by almost anybody? Everybody. When the current world government are seen as completely untrustworthy and incompetent beyond imagination, people will be open to wild ideas, even authoritarian ideas, despite having just been duped by the government. Ironically, one would think that such a rug pull event that people would push back against authoritarian control, but oftentimes throughout history, the opposite happens. During scary, unpredictable times, people gravitate towards strong authoritarian leadership, provided some sort of 
uh, direction with the cha- within the chaos. This is exactly what the rug pull theory is based on, that during this social upheaval, enough people will be open to authoritarian rule that at first will seem helpful, but then will slowly morph into what we all know authoritarian rule ultimately becomes. But once people realize it, it'll be too late. It's not even a far-fetched of a theory, as we've seen a version of this take place during the pandemic itself. People were frightened and embraced many authoritarian measures that would have been considered outlandish just months prior. Things like forced lockdowns, forced quarantines, vaccine passports, and more. So while on the surface this vaccine rug pull theory may seem far-fetched, it actually starts to make sense when examined a bit more closely. The scary thing is we may very well be approaching the reversal point where the rug is pulled. Obviously, endless boosters can only go on for so long before people either wise up or simply grow tired of the whole process. Perhaps a new vaccine formulation can be pushed out as one last gasp of the pro-vaccine movement. But soon after either of those two things, it's very possible we may start to see the rug pull reversal start to seep its way into the mainstream media. If it does, you'll know you're on the the edge of a very dark moment in modern history. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think we're on the the edge of a very dark moment in modern history, whether the rug pull theory is the way we get there or not. But I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's it's interesting, and and I think there's some some truth in there worth keeping an eye on at least there's all these videos coming out saying that they're gonna you know like doctors are being recorded in the uk saying don't take any more vaccines they're about to pull them from the uh you know the vaccine sites they're gonna stop giving them to people soon there's so much more data that's coming out now and just just weird stuff going on like that yeah who knows it might all just be fake and they might just kind of be moving on your theory presented through that article i guess kit's theory is also kind of good but it, it it's nice to be thinking about this stuff it's good to pass it on to the listeners to be thinking about this stuff because something's up something is afoot and uh, a lot of stuff is either backtracking or yeah. stopping pushing forward at the least so we got to kind of be alert like it's gonna feel like great news right mm-hmm. and yeah it, it may be but we need to be careful to see that you know we keep our eyes open be harmless as doves and wise as serpents <laughs> yeah and don't you know we talked about it on the show the strangeness of the all of a sudden the lab leak theory was okay to talk about you know but they and they but they siloed it right like you could talk about the wuhan lab now and it leaking out but you couldn't say it was a bioweapon attack and you couldn't say like wait a second ralph barrick and fauci were involved in this whole thing you you know you were there's lines you could go to and i I think it'll be the same thing they will eventually almost have to allow uh just i guess complaints or the admission that these side effects, you know, quote side effects from the vaccines are real and people have been injured and people have been killed. Um, But they will try very, very hard to make it a contrast between these vaccines and the good vaccines that go through 10 years of safety, safety testing. And, you know, the, 
prevent you, and they're sterilizing vaccines and they prevent you from getting all these things. If, and, if you, you think know. about it, let me just interrupt you for a second because I'm going to further your point. If you think about it, they've already laid the groundwork for that in mm-hmm. that nothing's approved. It's all emergency right. youth authorization. So they can go back and say, you know, this the FDA didn't actually get a chance to and they just thought, you know, the emergency's so great, they're going to let them do it. Whereas we all know, you know, the 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 most likely candidate for what is causing or at least is the last straw causing mental disorders especially in uh, young males is the mmr vaccine which guess what fda approved so it's not like there is a huge difference but they have kind of laid the legal framework down where it is yep well and uh you know as we talked about last week pfizer has made sure there are there's a whole other company that will take the fall. That's true. Before them, and uh, Alex Berenson, you know, sent out an article yesterday talking about uh, Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech. Excuse me, Moderna and BioNTech stocks are cratering. Yesterday, mm-hmm. they were down ten or twenty percent. Pfizer's not, 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 not cratering. No, they got the pill. Yeah, got the pills yep. coming out. You mm-hmm. know, so. <clears throat> So yeah, you have we, Moderna, we, who has never brought a, a single thing to market. You have Johnson yeah. & Johnson, which they got theirs from Janssen. But, I mean, they're a, a dirty corporation that is a you know serial felon. Yeah. And, th- and then you have Pfizer, who can literally just break off from this company we've never even heard of before and just be like, oh, yeah, that's weird. Oh, that was them. Yeah, you sued them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, this is not their first rodeo, and I, you know, that's what's important is don't let them. If the truth comes about out about the COVID nineteen vaccine, but they're marching right along with mandatory vaccines for kids and seventy doses of vaccines and for kids and and pretending autism hasn't gone up. Oh, just we just measure it more. You know, it's just a measurement issue. We just measure it better now then we have not won. And I and that's kind of what I, I wrote about in the the new Substack article. And yeah, I think, you know, keep an eye out on that. And also, man, it's propaganda is might not always be able to tell you what to think, but it can make you it can make you um, make sure of what you think about. And so, you know, the, the COVID-19 has been a whole different level of, of taking people's focus and putting it all on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is, and can they transition that then so that you're still obsessed with, uh, you know, you're still afraid of something, you're still obsessing over governors news conferences and and what have you that they want to try um you know you want to play the the bill gates world economic forum trip always always good idea to keep in (laughs) keep an eye on what the world economic forum is is saying so this is someone from you know with the world economic forum backdrop asking bill gates about well you know how do we we all know that climate change is such a big deal and we need to transition to these 
clean energy things, but how do you make that happen? And I think Bill Gates's answer is, is informative. And how are we really gonna make it from a fossil-based uh, uh, fuel society into a renewable society? Where do you see the new real breakthroughs? What, and, and how are we gonna make sure that uh, we set the price uh, on uh, the externalities? How do we internalize the externalities that uh, we are currently um, uh, seeing uh, in, in the global energy mix? Well, the rich countries uh, have to play a central role, both funding R&D and uh, having policies, in some cases, uh, carbon taxes will be used uh, to drive the demand uh, for these clean products. And only by doing that in an aggressive way will the economic costs uh, be brought down enough that we can turn to all the middle-income countries uh, and say, okay, you know, change your whole cement uh, industry, change your whole steel industry, uh, and yet, you know, it's not holding you back uh, from, uh, you know, your uh, economic growth. Uh, the number of companies working on these things is very exciting. Um, and some of them will fail, a lot of them will fail. Uh, but, you know, we only need uh, a, a reasonable number, a few dozen of them, uh, to make it through. And that's what we have to accelerate. I wonder if it'll be Bill Gates's companies that make it through. <laughs> but uh, let's... Uh, while we're on the World Economic Forum, you want to play the Klaus Schwab and friend clip there? Talking Klaus, about you established the... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, they're just talking about the, what the World Economic Forum is and how it works. Klaus, you established the World Economic Forum in 1971, didn't you? Can you briefly explain what prompted you to do that? I felt that governments, business and also civil society NGOs cannot really meet the challenges ahead alone. What we need is a platform for cooperation. And that's all what the forum is about. The agenda of Davos is taken uh, over by practically everybody, whether it is the, uh, the television, the papers, the public debate. So what Klaus has established is an agenda-setting forum, influenced not just by the business side, not just by the politicians, but also by the NGOs and everybody else. So the uniqueness of what the World Economic Forum stands for is, is the ability to take a subject, look from different angles, and put it high on the public agenda. And that is an amazing achievement. Klaus can pick up the phone and call anybody on a global basis. I don't know, maybe it was one or two exceptions. Anybody else in the world who can do that. And that is a phenomenal uh, position of influence. I'm glad we elected him to be talking to all the uh, world leaders and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. To set the agenda, yeah. yeah. You remember voting for the World Economic Forum to set the agenda? It's like, yeah, it's like one of the first times I voted, you know? Yeah, yeah. Back before I was and born. So so Bill Gates just uh, just 
casually dropping in there that we're going to need some carbon taxes. Yeah, and not Remember, just not just car- carbon taxes were a conspiracy theory. Not just carbon that? taxes, but uh, harsh. Like we're going to need to really lean into carbon taxes for the rich countries so that the poor con- or the middle countries can really <laughs> change their stuff. Which these, you know, like rich country. What does that mean? Rich country, middle countries. Like, come on. It's so like your, it's, your it's GDP. Like it doesn't mean that the people live there that I, actually I, have to. I know that I know have the, to absorb the carbon taxes. I know. I know. I know his measuring stick. Actually, it's uh, countries with a GDP that's more than his net worth, and countries with a GDP <laughs> less than his net worth. That's, that's how he differentiates yeah. the the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And uh, Monica Perez on Propaganda Report was talking about the, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, anyway, he's BlackRock, oh, Larry Fink. Yeah, Fink, yep. Yeah. So th- the way that, so you've got the World Economic Forum setting the agenda, and you, you know, if, let's say you're not on board, you're like, man, I... I want to have my own little oil company and we're not we're not down with that then blackrock says we're not investing in you and we're not investing in anyone who does invest in you and all of a sudden you're no longer in the club and it's either you get on board and start to you know buying your carbon credits and and supporting carbon taxes and vaccines and everything else or you know good luck (laughs) and this is across industries you see this consolidation you know like internet service providers the consolidation happening there uh, farmers everything is uh, being consolidated so that it can be controlled by the same same group that sets the agenda so these consolidated uh entities or corporations if you were to draw a picture of what they look like would what would it what would it look like uh lots of Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. There. Yeah, yeah. And who's at the top? The the pier, top of it's almost like a pyramid. Like there's one person at the top who rules all from the top. Pyramidal structure. Yeah. Easy to corrupt. Yeah, would... Just have to just have to corrupt the the one or two people at the top, and then yeah, lots of I guess miniature pyramids and fitting into the giant pyramid. Uh, Captain by El Diablo. <laughs> El Diablo. Yes, indeed. El Diablo. But uh, speaking of propaganda report, uh, well, do you, do you have somewhere else you want to go? I've just got one more. Deal, so. uh, I don't. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, I do. I do. Let me Let me take a look here. Um, I thought so. Uh, we're f- the show is familiar, and you're familiar with Andy No, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was on 
with Tim Pool, and it feels like Luke Rakowski is becoming Tim Pool's like sidekick. Like he's always on Tim Pool's show now. No, he he's on the staff. Oh, he's yeah. on the staff. Got he's, it. Didn't yeah, know. he's he's he is literally part of the show now. Okay, got it. Didn't know that. So anyway, uh, Andy No stopped by, and um, there was a, a couple of interesting. Uh, clips that he had where he kind of explained his whole thing and of course he you know suffered brain damage uh being assaulted i believe it was in portland by antifa is that right Mm -hmm. yeah and so anyway interesting character and i think he has some good input on the uh the state of the media especially liberal run media antifa was protesting outside powell's bookstore because they had the gall to sell Andy No's book. Yeah, I remember that for sure. Yeah. And they we've caved. trended on. Sorry. And they caved. They took it out of the bookstore. You could, they or the, I guess you could say they compromised. You could buy it online through Powell's, but not through the actual store. Yeah, because the guy comes, you know, starts to. He's well, he's. He's a homosexual. He's gay, gay guy, and he was very liberal. But he was covering the the Antifa stuff and got beaten within an inch of his life, brain damage and all. So he kind of comes to and starts to lean more conservative based on seeing what kind of a monster Antifa has created. And mm-hmm. uh, now, now the uh, everybody in Portland turned on him and says they're ban- You know, they can't believe that you would support a, a hate. A hate speech activist like Andy No, <laughs> and I think, but I think that uh, his his background, the milieu he runs in, uh, and all of those things lend to being a different look at the same monster that we talk about pretty frequently, mm-hmm. which is the liberal run media. But we've trended on Twitter almost every story we've done. That's the, the, the story we did last week on the Pen- yeah. uh, Pentagon Papers, Department of Defense documents, which effectively are Pentagon Papers, trended number one on Twitter. I'm banned on Twitter. Project. I'm sorry, that was a uh, Project Veritas, and yeah. Project Veritas is on the show as well. Veritas is banned on Twitter. But what do you think? Andy? Well, it's it's not a side detail that uh, an agent of the state uh, is working with media organizations um, to be the first to break these stories that are extremely damaging where you know you don't have to be charged with any crimes it's the investigation and the reporting and media coverage on it that destroys reputations and what happened to james here with how he, while uh, he still had marks on his hand from the handcuffs that like he's getting requests from the press for comment when nobody else knows about it obviously Agents of the state is uh, working with the journalists and leaking information. Similarly, when when Roger Stone was arrested and CNN had yep. been tipped off with the helicopter, I think I, I just I just say you know when you look at despotic regimes and tin pot uh, uh, democracies, like these are like characteristics of it. it, For, it no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, it, it, I mean, this is disturbing, and I I don't I, I, I it surprises me that so much of the American public just kind of shrugged their shoulders and. You know, pra- praise these uh, right. media organizations. When I, I, I mean, I- I, that's true. It, it, it is absolutely a earmark of tin pot dictators in mm-hmm. third world countries that this sort of stuff would happen. And the the media was uh, mainstream media was dying, and they are being kept alive through 
advertising money one, which is mainly pharmaceutical, and also government direct, you know, government paying for COVID vaccine advertisements and and what have you. But also, Google got into the local media thing where it's like, oh, you know, you're we want to support local media, even though you know. Google is a big reason that destroyed local media. Uh, so we will we'll pay part of the uh, salaries of your journalists. But of course, there's strings attached, right? Like, if you want to have our viewpoint, guess what? No Google money for you. So this is this is how they've you know top down really taken over the media with this the same agenda and this is <laughs> tim pot dictatorship's a, a good way of putting it except it's a, a very a very powerful uh tin pot tin pot dictatorship that's a yeah that's a good point and another way that they do this is uh by using anonymous sources and a, 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 mm-hmm. a source close to the matter a source close to the matter here's andy on uh, a source close to the matter yeah, I I was quite naive in, in 2019 before I became more of a, a well-known figure and I was just a regional person in the Pacific Northwest. After my uh, assault uh, in the summer of 2019 that punches, kicks in the, the milkshakes, the hospitalization for the traumatic brain injury, um, I was naive enough at the time that I thought the media organizations would be out to support me. I remember Jake Tapper, I believe, was one of the very few center-left journalist who issued a, a tweet that condemned what happened to me. And I really appreciated that. And he got so much blow bla- uh, blowback that he ended up deleting that, that wow, Twitter support. Really? Yeah. And then all the hit pieces mm. came out uh, in a way that seemed sort of coordinated. And, and James can speak to this. And I was watching kind of in real time with in fascination at how they can destroy someone's reputation. So... Uh, there was initial outpouring support for me. So then what happened was a local blog in Portland interviewed somebody and gave this person a pseudonym. So I have no idea who this person is who accused me of uh, being in collaboration with this far-right group in Portland. So one, I couldn't, I couldn't confront my accuser. Uh, legally, I couldn't do anything either. We don't even know the identity of this person, so we can't even write a cease and desist letter. And then this damning story and headline, which is false, from the port that was published in the Portland Mercury. They never reached out to me for comment, by the way, was then repeated in other publications yep. like uh, Slay and, and Vox, et cetera, et cetera. And then that is cited in your, in your Wikipedia. And then when somebody Googles you who doesn't know who you are, that's the first thing they see. And that is your reputation. I, I, I think we've, we've, talked <laughs> about, we've talked about that previously. Yeah, so you... And, you know, we've talked about how the CIA would have kind of shadow publications that they controlled in other countries, and then they could use, they could use that to cite, you know, an American in New York Times or whatever that they controlled would then cite this African newspaper. And then, it, you know, if it ever gets traced back, it's like, well, you know, this is what they published. Yeah, so yeah. When in when in fact it's a shell corporation or a barely a a media company, or it's just wholly owned by the same people that are you know linking it yeah. as the original source. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> the 
<laughs> and it used to be, oh, well, you can trust that these, you know, reliable sources of information are actually have talking to sources and vetting information, but <laughs> we, uh, it doesn't exactly happen anymore. And I, I think there's a lot of people that have figured out that it doesn't happen anymore, which is, is a good thing. Sure. Uh, they also touched on, I think it was Tim Poole who touched on the, uh, mass formation psychosis uh, and that it only takes one person to break it and how they're hoping that Joe Rogan listeners and people who are tuning into Joe Rogan are uh, kind of waking up. Um, and I thought that was an interesting take too. Just give me a sec here. I, I wonder how long it's going to last though. You know, they go after Joe Rogan, the most popular podcast in the world. And the stupidest thing you can do is lie about Joe because the 11 million people on average who watch his show, the 50 million who've seen some of his biggest shows, the people who are fans of MMA and know him or who just watch his Netflix stand-up, they see this story and they go, yeah, that's not true. And all of a sudden, you lie about someone as popular as Joe and people start waking up. And now we're starting to see it. We're seeing a major shift. This uh, poll came out, Gallup released this, one of the most credible polling institutions, that as of the fourth quarter of 2021, more people identify as Republican or Republican-leaning than Democrat for the first time since I believe it was 1991. There actually may have been a period around the, the 2000s where it was fairly even between the two, but this is a, a gap now of five points, right? I'm not saying Republicans are the right answer or that, you know, Democrats are always the wrong answer, but regular people are looking at the establishment. They're associating it with one side of the political spectrum and saying, I don't want to have anything yeah. to do with well, that. Well, it's not just Joe. It's Joe also influencing people like Dana White, influencing people like Aaron Rodgers that are going out there and speaking these larger truths. And some people would say breaking the mass psychosis, the mass formation psychosis that, of course, the corporate media in unison tells us doesn't exist, as, of course, the Financial Times literally calls for psyops, as, of course, even the Canadian Joint Operations Command even admittedly said that they have relied on propaganda techniques used in Afghanistan with COVID because they saw it as a unique opportunity to test out their propaganda but techniques is, on the but, general public. You know, we Hey, good for Canada, man. You got to find out. A <laughs> well, <re> <laughs> well the, the biggest contractor uh, for Warp Speed was a company that specializes in propaganda. And all their previous contracts had been propaganda related. So it, it wasn't just Canada. Yeah, yeah, no, it's but it, I think it was Canada yeah. that admitted it. They're like, well, we thought that yeah. this might be a good time for... Uh, a, well, in the U.S., it's like, well, you know, you just haven't heard of this company, so we don't have to answer any questions about them. <laughs> okay. Um, so the next. So today is January nineteenth, mm -hmm. which is two weeks after January fifth, mm -hmm. which was supposed to be the quote five G rollout day. Okay, and then they pushed it back for two weeks, and it's supposed to be today. And then I saw something, they might push it back again, or maybe they won't. They'll just go ahead with it. So I am a little bit confused, even though we have talked about this somewhat. Like, what is happening today that's different than what was already going on? Because if you, if you get... Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you can't watch a, a football game without 5G by Verizon, 5G by AT&T. Uh, so do you, do you have a, a, I've got some, some clips, but do you have an initial take? It's funny. We, we've definitely been kind of trending in the same directions on stuff. Uh, even though we don't really talk to each other this during the week about this, but yeah, I've been reading up on all this. The best I can tell is there isn't actually any 5g really out there yet it's all the 4g or lte band still because i think you have to change the band to go to 5g and so they figured out a way to speed up lte better but 5g continues to be pushed off because of different things people saying that's going to interfere i mean obviously I don't know. Do we have a folder and a story in the folder? I don't think we do. But uh, FCC, not FCC. The yeah, no, no. That's is which one is this? The FTC, Federal Transportation Commission, has been pushing off uh, allowing people to implement five G because they think it's going to interfere with airplanes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just it doesn't seem. It seems like it's all just like souped up versions of LTE that they're calling five G, all the way down right. to AT and T's five G, E, or whatever the world it was. Yeah, well, and so a couple things. The from a bandwidth perspective, like I, which is how they're selling it, right? Like five G is faster. Like you get more bandwidth that works better. There's still plenty of room. With the 4G LTE stuff, you can get plenty fast internet. Okay, the, you know you can get all the internet bandwidth to your phone through 4G LTE that you could ever want. So it's not about that. We've talked about like uh, they need it for self-driving cars. They need it for you know basically spy grid type stuff. Uh, but they always try to sell it as like oh remote surgery, which is bogus you know like hospitals that aren't going to use a wireless connection they're going to use a a fiber connection you know they've all, every hospital i can just about guarantee in the u.s has a fiber internet connection at this point so it, that's not uh that's not a real argument so you know <laughs> we've since the beginning of covid there's been this idea that 5G is related to COVID somehow um, or, you know, either everything from it's related to it somehow, which is kind of where we're at, to like 5G is the whole pandemic and there is no anything else. It's just 5G and that's it. So uh, Monica Perez of the Propaganda Report kind of digs into it and... Um, you know, I, I sympathize because I. <laughs> it's difficult to, to nail all this stuff down because I think it's been, purposefully, misleading, like what is five G, what's not five G, so she's going to talk about the stuff that was supposed to start today, and again, I'm not sure if it actually did or or not, but you want to play that clip, it's a longer clip. Naturally, I don't have that clip ready. (laughs) 
my apologies. Well, let me let me read a post from Mark Crispin Miller, uh, guest on the Corbett Report and other places. Um, he had a, a post about it today as well. So, all of a sudden, 5G launches tonight in 36 cities as airlines cancel scores of flights, but it's okay because the New York Times deems 5G just as safe as those vaccines. If, God forbid, any plane should crash, or if this sudden national rollout should have other catastrophic consequences, let us not forget the New York Times' long cover-up and or denial of the likely health hazards and ruinous environmental impact and the exquisite surveillance function of 5G. Whereas a good newspaper would have properly reported those concerns, the great lady has functioned only to promote 5G, exactly as she's done with vaccines, serving as the literal booster of the evil in both cases. Tonight it's relevant to point out that the Times' largest single shareholder, Carlos Slim, made his billions as a telecom colossus and that the Grey Lady has a business partner in Verizon. As the paper has itself reported breathlessly, since early 2019, the 5G Journalism Lab, a collaboration between the New York Times and Verizon, and an extension of the Times' R&D team has been developing and testing new technologies that take advantage of 5G capabilities to produce and and deliver authoritative visual journalism much faster. Who cares if that partnership might make the Times' output much faster if it's also made the Times' journalism worse? What we don't know can kill us, and we don't know enough about 5G, just as millions of us haven't known enough about the vaccination program that this rotten paper also has promoted, and so intently and dishonestly as to compromise what may eventually be recognized as a by all is an unprecedented crime against humanity. All right, and then he he posts a article in there by Celia Farber, which is is good as well. But do you want to you want to switch over to the propaganda report? Sure. This airlines versus telecom five G fight. Have you been? I mean, it doesn't make splash on the front page of the headlines because of the news because it isn't meant to change our opinion about policy. It is probably something they don't want going on. But AT&T and Verizon are ready to roll out this new kind of this. They're using C-band. So I don't even know what this is, but there's a lot of 5G out there already. But there's a really narrow band um, of the whatever. I know nothing about anything spectrum bandwidth uh, that was reserved to for big TV satellites. It's a very narrow band. And there is some airline communications and equipment that uh, lives kind of near this band. Well, it was never a problem until March of 2020. Funny timing. March of 2020, the FCC put out an auction of some of this band and opened it up to telecoms, which they had not previously done. And so Verizon and AT&T bought most of the $80 billion in licenses. And I didn't get a chance to dig into that, but the one of the most obnoxious and uh, and this I think the second richest senator is Mark Warner, who if you look at his source of wealth, they always say he has financial investments. He's an investor, but he only got his money to invest because he swept up a bunch of 
this type of license before they were bid and auctioned off. And then he sold them in the aftermarket for tens of millions of dollars. So I can't stand that guy. And I wonder why they put out this bandwidth in March 2020. So... You know, I don't I, I if it just went to the government. Nobody benefited. I don't know if there was quid pro quo going on. That's my guess. Anyway, so it was a fairly new thing that they were even going to enter into that field. Of course, it coincides with what I was thinking. And a lot of people thought even if COVID and 5G aren't intricately um, intertwined. It is was clear to me, looked to me like they were putting up more and more towers at a rapid pace. Um, that's when Trump had a shot clock. So while we were all locked down, they were putting these towers up. And uh, I don't know if it's just these sea towers that came up in the last two years or what. I remember. You remember? <laughs> no, go ahead. I was uh, just. Don't you remember when this all first started? You were, uh, you were. I mean, I remember you put a, a link in the in the show notes. And we talked about it on the show. They had been putting up these five G towers in uh, schools. That's and all the kids were gone from school, but they happened to be putting mm-hmm. them near schools. They were putting them near nursing homes. The one even in Kirkland, which was the center of COVID for the country, there was a new five G tower that had been put up there, uh, in, d- invested or donated to with money from Microsoft. I think that was what the clip was, but I remember all that. That was, and that was what made everybody kind of tie the two together. It was like, hey, why are all the schools closed? And then why are the telephone companies out installing these weird looking towers near the schools? That yeah. was a that was a big thing, and I think that's the original reason people started to raise their eyebrow. Like, what else is going on here? Anyway, sorry, yes. I don't mean to interrupt your clip, but I just no. I, that was that. That's a good input, and they do put the towers right by the schools, yep. and then they, which is, you know, that's not how the school gets internet. By the way, yeah, so it's, it's absolutely not. So they are going to go live with this C band. And the F, the airlines have been begging them not to because it is going to be so disruptive. The telecoms people say, oh, they should have been part of the process these past two years. Why are they panicking now? And I think they're panicking. I think their argument is we're panicking because there is no way to resolve this. The, these guys are saying um, we could do what France does and we could just not turn them on near the airports. Um, we would do that for six months if you want. But France does that permanently. That's how it is in France. And they're not even doing that because that's not the rule. So they're offering. But anyway, it, at the last minute, they're unrolling this thing on Wednesday, tomorrow. And at the last minute, they said, well, around certain airports, we'll give you a mile or two where we won't turn those towers on. It's really scary. And uh, they one thing is that the FAA is telling Boeing operators and other airlines looking into Airbus to take extra precautions when landing for for several reasons. One is this radar altimeter, which in bad weather that it they actually use radar, which it crawls up against this C band to figure out how to land kind of instrument only landing. And 
they are worried that that isn't going to work right and that they're going to have to divert flights in bad weather. That would be insanely disruptive. And then there's this other thing, which I wasn't even aware of the first time I passed over this topic. They told the Boeing that they had to give themselves more room on the runway because the reverse thrusters kick in at a certain point when they're landing, but this might interfere with the reverse thrusters and they can only then use their brakes, which would give them way, they'd have to have way more runway in order to stop. I mean, this is dangerous. Now, I can see a couple of reasons why this would play into a future narrative that either locking down stuff, it's kind of like the supply chain interference. It's interfering with transportation. It's locking people down. And, uh, but it does also look like a genuine dispute, whether it was a, a screw up by the FAA. My guess is that the airlines have their own side of the story that they probably weren't really involved in anything that could give them comfort that they were just along for the ride. That's my guess. I don't know. Like at, right now, this looks like a real issue. Oh, and the Emirates, United Arab Emirates is suspending flights to nine U.S. cities. I would stay the hell away from airplanes this week, at least. The cities are Boston, Chicago, DFW, Houston, Miami, Newark, Orlando, San Francisco, and Seattle. I mean, this is this is serious. Yeah, that definitely doesn't make you feel comfortable about flying when the pilots are better. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she doesn't exactly have it figured out either, but there's... Um, so I, I went a little more conspiracy route. Sure. I mean, and at I, this point, you kind of have to. 5G yeah. is... It's, it's a so, mystery wrapped in an enigma. I mean, what is going on? Yeah. So this guy, uh, Joe Imbriano, you ever heard of him? I don't think so. Okay. He goes by the Fullerton Informer. So uh, Chris, not Chris White, but uh, Chris who feeds me stories uh, via Facebook, he's like, I don't know about this guy, but it's interesting. Like, he's like, discernment, uh, <laughs> you know, use your discernment. But he was putting out videos in uh, 2018 about, like, 60 gigahertz. It's going to be, they're going to create a fake virus. And <laughs> so some interesting stuff. I will, um, I included some stuff that will be in the show notes, but I will do further research and, and, and talk about it more next week. So the, uh, but just a, a couple of things uh, that I had not previously heard of to, to keep an eye out for um, six gigahertz Wi-Fi. So current Wi-Fi, you've usually got like a 2.4 and then one in the fives, but they're developing a, another Wi-Fi spectrum that'll be capable of transmitting more bandwidth in the six gigahertz range. And he's saying that is significant. And once they turn up the six, the 60 gigahertz, you know, cell tower stuff, then that can 
feed your home Wi-Fi, you know, your direct home Wi-Fi off the cell tower instead of going through a, a different internet service provider, you know, no fiber, no cable, no DSL, just cell tower signal to a, you know, it used to be called a femto cell um, in your home, but much more high powered than it used to be. And there is, you know, I know T-Mobile's offering like a home Wi-Fi service. Yeah, we talked about that. It's not. Yeah. It's it's baloney too. Well, it's and they're calling it five G, but it's like the dregs of their network. Yeah, yeah. So so look for if there's a six gigahertz, ah, you know, Wi Fi thing rolled out. You don't want it. <laughs> you don't want internet coming to your house from the from the cell tower um, because one thing that everyone agrees on is. And, and part of the mystery of this is why do they want to do this when the signal is so easily blocked? Like, it, for the most part, it's not going to go through your house. Um, you have to put up devices inside to receive it, like either in a window or, or close to, or to be really close to a micro, a micro cell site in order to even make this work. So it's you're downgrading your, you know, coverage, I guess, um, for the sake of, of getting the, the 5G, the supposedly faster bandwidth. And there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I guess I would say you don't necessarily have to be super worried about whatever they're doing in the next you know, either today or if they push it off again near future. Um, but I would pay attention. And if, especially if you're close to one of these monstrosities, these souped up cell towers, and you notice yourself not feeling good, um, you know, take a trip out in the country in the middle of nowhere and see if, see if that, uh, see if you feel better. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's good advice, man. I, I was, I'm looking at it right now and I'm trying to see it looks like they've postponed it yet again. Mm-hmm. No rollout yeah. today. You saw that? Yeah, which new day is the February 1st? Yeah, and it, I I'm kind of curious if this is I guess part of the confusion so you keep hearing like 5g's turning on today and well i have he's turning on today and then you know and andrew it's not confusing i have the most reliable information that you can possibly come across right now are you ready (laughs) i'm I'm ready statement statement by president biden on 5g agreement okay i want to thank verizon and at&t for agreeing to delay the deployment around key airports and to continue this is from yesterday and to continue working with the department of transportation on safe 5g deployment at a limited set of locations this agreement will avoid potentially devastating disruptions to passenger travel cargo operations and our economic recovery while allowing more than 90 percent of the wireless tower deployment to occur as scheduled this hmm. agreement protects our flight safety and allows aviation operations to continue without significant disruption and will bring more high-speed internet options to millions of Americans. Expanding 5G and promoting competition in internet service 
are critical priorities of mine, and tomorrow will be a massive step in the right direction. My team has begun engaging nonstop with wireless carriers, aviation equipment manufacturers to chart a new path forward for 5G deployment and aviation to safely coexist. At my current direction, or at my direction, they will continue to do so until we close the remaining gap and reach a permanent workable solution around these airports. So are they... So are they turning the 90% of it up that they're going to turn up on February 1st or today? Yes. I don't know, buddy. So after se- like after several after several weeks of false starts and dire warnings from the aviation industry, today marks the day AT&T and Verizon go live. So and then I'm, all I'm seeing is delay rollout near airports. That's all I'm seeing. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's mainstream media sources. So I don't know, you know, take it for what it's worth. Uh, airlines cancel some flights. That's today. Interesting. That's out of the Boston Globe. Airlines scramble to change flights. 5G rollout on partial hold. Emirates president, yep, just talked about that, or Monica did. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's all all the world's stage and Yeah, I think the I, I don't confusion know who is, they call is, on to next. The confusion is I think part of the agenda. So it's like you don't they don't want you to be able to know like this is the day that something changed near me Ah. just in case a bunch of people get sick because then it's like you know they don't want it to ring a bell well those two things were related let's let's do a a quick palate cleanser and then we can uh thank some producers for this show okay uh i got an important clip yesterday i I thought this was super important we should (laughs) definitely play it have you you know what i'm talking about here no i don't it's you can tell it's important that's why you're laughing right yeah. This is this is going to change, you know, how you feel about things moving forward, okay? My name is Chris Smitherson, and I'm unvaccinated. Ever since Omicron hit, I, I just felt so alone. I feel so left out since all my vaccinated friends have COVID. Every time I see my vaccinated friends all hanging out inside, wearing masks because they all have COVID, I really start to regret my decision not to get the jab. Sometimes I fake a sneeze just to feel included, but they can tell I'm healthy. I've tried everything. Uh, I lick doorknobs. I I double dip guacamole. I even ate a golden corral. (laughs) But nothing worked. No matter how hard I try, I just can't get the Roma. Since I can't be quarantined with my friends, I guess I just have to continue on with my life. Out here. As if there's no pandemic. At all. Is that from the Babylon Bee? I I don't think... I mean, I... I, Did you just watch... I didn't find it on the Babylon Bee. 
But. Oh, they they had a story like that, but oh, yeah. oh, maybe that was it. I don't know. My apologies <laughs> if it is the Babylon or, Bee. Or, it was a dramatic reading of a Babylon Bee story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. It it feels like everybody that got it got it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and no. and even some that didn't. So well, and if you want to go Alex Jones conspiracy route on it, he 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 didn't full out say this was for sure. He said he'd been told that basically Omicron was like a a good intentionally made virus to reverse the effects of the vaccine. Hmm. So that there was like a the good guys in the bioweapons field released it to try and undo some of the damage that had been done. Did he by chance get this from a quantum supercomputer <laughs> in the future <laughs> that is communicating through space-time via 8chan? Uh, no. Oh, no. okay. Because that, I mean, it sounds like it. Maybe this is well. The uh, Gert Gert Vandenbosch, he didn't say it was made automatically. He just said like, "Wow, what a what a wonderful thing this um, Omicron seems to be reversing some of the damage to people's immune systems done by the vaccines." So yeah, yeah. and so he's like, "If you if you've been vaccinated, you want to get Omicron." It's your, it's, it's better than than not getting it. Well, even Chris White said there's something extremely suspicious about it because there's all of a sudden one day everybody knew about it. It was out. Everyone knew. It's all on the same day. Big media push. So anyway, well, and and the spread of it. I mean, people, you know, it spread worldwide like instantly. Yeah, well, with an R naught, yeah, R naught of like it's twelve. So every one person infects twelve. It's gonna go. It's gonna go quick. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a that's a big one. So yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, Revelations Radio News has decided to become a listener supported production only. This means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism. If you feel you are getting value from this show, please help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you guys to make this work. This is, of course, the value for value model that is made famous by Adam Curry from the No Agenda podcast. If you get value out of this show, please send us some value in return. That being said, I actually had... Get this. Okay, hold on to your seat. This is actually the best news of the whole show, in my opinion. Uh, okay. I had a listener reach out and say that they were a audio engineer. And they wanted to help us with our audio issues. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm super excited. I was able to finally return that email uh, just a day or so ago. So, we'll see. This may be the answer to prayer, but in, in the end of the uh, email, they said, this will be my way to donate to the show. And that is greatly appreciated that is the type of donation yes. we need things that'll make the show better uh sending in information that you have uh sending in stories that you have or just sending us stuff directly uh whether it's monetary form or even this week i received a care package uh more on that later let's get to the list first and uh, first off we have can do you want to read the, the list here sure. andrew sure uh suzanne 
sent in twenty dollars and twenty two cents. Twenty twenty two. It's like a yearly donation. Donation uh, of the year. I thought that was interesting. Thank you, Suzanne. Yeah. Thank you, Suzanne. She's and she's she's from Sagus, California. Another Californian who hasn't uh, stopped listening to the show because of my California hate. So <laughs> now, now that I'm in Oklahoma, it's like oh, I've I have more sympathy to California because they're not. <laughs> You know, it's like, come on over to Oklahoma. It's okay. <laughs> uh, Danny, thank you, Danny, from Medford, Oregon, our, our, one of our very most valuable contributors, $25. Hugh from Catesville in Ontario, Canada. Or I, I said the wrong name, Kerwood in Ontario. Michael in West Yorkshire in the UK. And Michael actually sent us two donations, a $40 donation and a $5 donation, which I believe might be recurring. So that's, thank you very much. That's correct. Uh, Catherine, she has donated before. Also from, she donated $50. Thank you, Catherine. She's from Blue Lake, California. In, and I got a note from her from the, uh, that's a P.O. Box donation. So I have an oh, yeah. actual note here. Enclosed is a contribution of $50 to help support Revelations Radio News. It's just a small thank you for all the news and information you provide. I'm very happy to support the important work that you are both doing. May God bless you and your families as I am blessed by listening to you every week, knowing that I am part of a community of like minds. In appreciation, Catherine. And I'm thinking, have we gotten a donation from her before? Or should I send her a book? I'm not sure. You said you thought you had, but I don't know about that address. So I think you might need to send her a book. We'll have to look through the spreadsheet. Yeah. Can you get the back office to look through the spreadsheet? <laughs> I'll, f- I'll finish up the list here. Okay. Uh, Janice sent us $5 from Hudson, North Carolina. Thank and that you, Janice. And that came through in the mail. And Janice, if you sent a note, I didn't get it. It just looks like it just came through as a check, which is totally fine, too. So thank you. Thank you. Dave sent us $50 also to the P.O. Box. It was a great P.O. Box day. Yes. Uh, from rainy suburb of Boston. That's right. From, from a rainy suburb of Boston, Massachusetts, in New England, where if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. I'm Dave. Uh, second contribution, so I already have Andrew's book. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, Dave. North Andover, Massachusetts. And now this next one, uh, this is uh, Justin, and he has donated $100 from Bellevue, Washington. Now, I wanted to let you know, Andrew, I decided to share this donation with you. And you're thinking, why wouldn't you share a donation with me? This is half, uh, 50-50. I do half the show, you do half the show. We both get 50-50. Well, Andrew, this this donation came about in kind of a, a, a different kind of way, and that is... Uh, Justin reached out to me. He texted me and he said, uh, Hey, let's, uh, let's bet on this Oklahoma, Oregon game. (laughs) 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 And I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And he wanted meat, you know, from, uh, from one of the grass fed, uh, cows around here. If, uh, Oregon won and, and he wanted to send me some seafood if, uh, if, uh, Oklahoma won. So as we all know, Oklahoma won. 
and uh, he reaches out. He says, "What do you you know? You want money? Do you, what do you want?" I said, "You know, just just to make a donation to the show." So he sends a care package, and in the care package are two of this like super duper high end cans of tuna, uh, some smoked sturgeon, and a hundred dollar bill. And I thought, you know, donation to the show. We'll throw this in there. We'll split it halfway. I'll, I'll, I get to eat the food. Andrew, I'll share it with you if you happen to be here when I open it. Or if you want to come by, we can eat it. Otherwise, I'm going to stick. That's that's kind of my winnings from that game. But uh, that that's, that's how that donation went down, my friend. So I just wanted to let you know. I decided to share it with you anyway, even <laughs> though you were probably rooting for the Ducks in that game. Yeah, it was... Uh... You know, Oklahoma was favored, so I think you were you were pretty safe there. I was definitely I safe, but the the yeah. guy didn't give us. I think Justin was uh, was willing to take the worst end of the the bet there. He absolutely was, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to get some uh, some nice seafood. Definitely something we'll we'll miss down here uh, as compared to the Northwest with all their awesome seafood. So, thank you very much, Justin. And then I did have one email I wanted to read. I just got this today. Um, should be pretty quick here. But this is from Buck. I had a four-year-old Windows laptop, so no harm experimenting. It now runs elementary OS operating system, Linux. The link above and a beautiful USB is all it took besides a bit of patience. I made the bootable USB myself from an old storage USB. I downloaded the program called Rufus to make it on my da da da. It erases everything on my computer, put on a new OS, bye bye spyware, bye bye malware. Anyway, he uh, talks about my experience turning a window machine into a Linux box has been overwhelmingly positive. Also, I enjoy the show immensely. We build emotional capital making heart based moves. Sincerely, Buck. So, anyway, I thought that was good. Just a quick, quick email, somebody who's made the jump over to Linux. So, good for him. That was, sounds like he, that was a smoother process for him than changing phones was for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, the old graphene OS. Uh, both listeners of this show using the old graphene OS on their phones, and sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. It's a, it's definitely a process. Yeah, I'm. I actually like it now. So. It, <laughs> Yeah, was, Does everybody hear the pain in Andrew's voice to say that he likes anything, uh, it was, especially this yeah. phone? Well, you know, as much as I, I guess I, I hate it less than I hated previous phones. So there we go. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, That's a big compliment. Yeah, that for sure. I and I get that too. I, I, I kind of hate my phone sometimes, but it's not because of the phone, but it's just because it's you know it's a phone and air, airplane mode is like a revelation to me and i just like leave it in airplane mode for days at a time so it's great good for you yeah did you not know about that before no not really so it was you mentioned it and then i was watching a, a video from the uh what is it i forget the first name price foundation mm-hmm. they're the raw milk people gotcha and she's like, everyone, put your phones on airplane mode to avoid as much radiation as possible. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Phones in this house all go to airplane mode, especially in the evening. That's yeah. that's a wrap. So, um, all right. And so, so now I can use it as a podcasting device. I just <laughs> put it in airplane mode, and then I can 
you know, it's just like my old school iPod. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I, I've converted over to the antenna podcasting app. Can Can you tell me why? And I don't. I know. I I just want to know for my own. So the moment I got my first smartphone, I think it was like 2012. I got an iPhone 4S for Christmas. Well, I didn't even want it. I was going probably going to go Android at that point, but I ended up going iPhone right away. So, but within months i think months at max i had been just you know destroying you know the james corbett podcast and and chris white's and and just actually i was doing that long before that that's not even true so but i was within within moments then i was listening to podcasts on my phone which i thoroughly enjoyed but you had always tried to have a not, and we have a listener, I think several listeners, who prefer to have a not internet connected podcast device. In all honesty, I don't understand why. And can can you tell me why? Well, the iPod Classic. I mean, it's connected to the internet when you want to connect it, when you plug in the cable. But it's to load up your podcast. But then you you don't have the RF and everything else. Okay, so you just did. It was the more just not having the radiation around you because you do. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I mean, yeah, I I consume I consume hours and hours and hours and hours of podcasts and audiobooks uh, uh, weekly, and you're saying that you're going to do that now in airplane mode, so you're not getting all the radiation. Yeah. Ah, and that's why you didn't do it on the device. Okay, okay, that makes sense, man. That's awesome. I didn't. I had no idea. So. Are you happy that you left Portland? Well, Oregon. I was never in Portland. Are you happy that you left Oregon? Oh, 100%. Small business owner from Oregon made a video yesterday. I thought you'd enjoy this. No, Portland, look. Um, you know, it's my restaurant that was going to be closing down because Portland's turned into a shithole. But last night, people came in and robbed it, stole a bunch of equipment ransacked the place so I'm here cleaning up you know I honestly used to love this town but the rise in crime and homelessness drug abuse depression isn't despite all these progressive policies it's a direct result of these progressive policies same thing for Seattle LA Minneapolis DC New York San Francisco on and on and on let me show you just on my way here what I had to drive by in order to get here before you say I'm some sort of uncompassionate person Talking about the homeless, I don't think there's anything compassionate with letting people live in filth and on the side of the freeway. I don't think there's any compassion enabling drug abuse and substance abuse. I don't think there's any compassion with parents that have to sweep the soccer fields before they let their little kids play soccer because there's so many hypodermic needles around. I don't think there's any compassion about businesses being fearful of their employees walking to and from their car. I don't think that's compassionate at all. Oregon and Portland holds itself as the darling child of the progressive cities and progressive states. But they also are the lowest in the country in terms of public school ranking. Highest in the country in terms of depression, substance abuse, mental illness issues. Couple that with the fact that they rank the lowest in support for drug abuse and mental illness. What do you expect would happen when you decriminalize drugs? When you villainize the police and defund the police? When you allow looting and rioting if it's done in the name of social justice? When you foster and normalize homelessness and drug abuse? I don't wish these things to be true, but it is can't vote on and put policies in place because they sound good. You have to do what works. My hometown, my home state doesn't look anything I got used to. 
We've had one party in charge of both for so many decades. This is the compounding result. Please let this serve as a canary in the coal mine. And don't let these toxic ideologies permeate into your towns, into your states. Don't let anybody cloak progressive policies under the term of compassion. It's anything but. If anybody feels inclined to disagree with me, instead of just hiding behind your keyboard and putting something in the comments, put a date and time that you want to live debate me. I don't care how big of a creator you are. I don't care if you're a politician. I don't care if you're Joe Biden. I don't care if you're Joe Biden. <laughs> One thing I'll add to his list about the drug and alcohol, maybe the state of Oregon shouldn't have fired their drug and alcohol counselors uh, who were unvaccinated. Maybe that wasn't such a great idea. And shut down all their AA meetings. And Yeah, well... Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, the decriminalization, the, uh, all of it, it's just been, uh, yeah. it's been terrible, terrible for them. It is a designed mess. Yeah. And it's from 40 something years of the same people being in control and their policies not working in any way. Um, yeah, the, so overall I, I keep checking in with you because you know it's a big it's a big it's a big change it's a big move to move here man oh I I should have moved years ago <laughs> I liked I liked your your part where you decided you should move was basically uh, um, when the stupid governor started going after the Ladies, kids. What story mm-hmm. was that again? Yeah, so Kate, Kate Brown, so a courageous salon owner, had the gall to want to keep her salon open uh, during the initial lockdown. And this is 2020. And Kate Brown sent uh, Child Protective Services to her house to try and catch... Um, basically unsupervised kids so they could snatch them um, as retaliation for her standing up and trying to keep her business going. And I honestly, I should have left then, but, uh, but yeah, that was (laughs) definitely planting the seed. Like this is not where I want to be. Yeah. And it continues by the way, Washington uh, just enacted a, a magazine law where they can only have 12, uh, rounds in a magazine legally so you know the strangeness continues up there in the northwest uh did you happen to catch catch tucker carlson last night i did not no i have a i have a good clip for you check this out here's seattle's interpretation of homelessness prevention a handful of Seattle's more than 12,000 homeless will soon be going from the street to a new apartment with stunning views of the Space Needle and Puget Sound. Using part of its share of the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, the city bought three brand new apartment buildings for $50 million for 165 homeless, a price of $300,000 per unit. In Los Angeles, Skid Row is about to get a new neighbor, a 19-story high-rise for homeless, costing taxpayers $160 million or $580,000 per unit. They're part of an expensive push to get the homeless off of sidewalks and out of city parks and into government-subsidized housing, even if it means buying new buildings at market rate from developers. 
Oh, stunning views of the Space Needle in Puget Sound. Do you have one of those? Well, crackheads do. More than half a million dollars per apartment to house drug addicts at public expense. At market rates. So you can see why real estate developers would strongly support a program like that. And of course, they strongly do. But luxury apartments are just the beginning. Seattle's most recent municipal budget allocates more than $150 million to other so-called homelessness programs just this year. Now, keep in mind, Seattle has fewer than 750,000 people living there. So that's an awful lot of money per bum. It's certainly a lot more than anyone else is getting in Seattle. At the same time it was giving overpriced condos to drug addicts with stunning views of Puget Sound, Seattle allocated just $10 million total for its small business stabilization fund designed to keep family businesses from going bankrupt during the COVID lockdowns. So the city's priorities could not be clearer than that. You lavish money on the least productive, most antisocial parasites in our society, and then you punish Americans who work for a living. Got it? Not a, not a bad uh, way to go about themselves. <laughs> yeah. How, how long are those luxury apartments going to stay nice luxury apartments? I don't know. Four man. hours? The yeah, views of the Puget Sound and Space Needle. Do you have any idea how much just one of those condos would be with a view of the Space Needle? <laughs> like, do you know how much money? I mean, we're talking million, two million, three million dollars just to... At market rates? Are you kidding me? Do you know how much money they spent? I mean, that's just so stupid. So yeah. dumb. So dumb. Okay. Anything else we got to well, get to? Go ahead. Yeah. You want me to to read from my uh, Walter Walter Hadwin post? Sure. So this is uh, January 25th, 1896. Oh, this is your sub stack. Yeah, this is... Well, this is um, his speech, which I based the... I quote extensively from it in the Substack. So he talks about smallpox and the real history of Edward Jenner and the smallpox vaccine and what have you. So, but this uh, this is how he winds it up. Let me find it here. So it's, you give us that. I'll play one last clip before we go, and then we'll get out of here. Deal. Okay. So, liberty of conscience. There's one thing about this vaccination act which I don't like. It's an unequal law. It presses hardly upon the it presses hardly upon the poor. The rich man can pay his sovereign fine and feel none the worse for it, but the poor man is, has to either submit or have his goods seized or go to the prison cell in default of paying his fine. I say that the poor woman's child is as dear to her as the child of a prince is to his parents and that she has no right to be put in a harder position for its protection than those who are wealthy. So this the this is mandatory smallpox vaccine act in England that he's talking about. So, uh, but there's another thing that I must mention to you, and that is the case of Emily Maud Child of Leeds, the child who was vaccinated, died, and a coroner's jury having held an inquest, it was brought in conclusively that she died from syphilis as a result of the vaccination. A certificate to that effect went up to the government who sent an inspector down to investigate the case. He took photographs of the teeth of the other children, declared they were syphilitic, and reported that it was not the vaccine which produces syphilis, but the fault lay with the mother herself. 
At last, the Royal Commission heard the case and sent down independent investigators who found that there was not a vestige of syphilis in the remaining children, that the charge against the mother was false. It is a terrible thing, I say, that not only have you to stand the chance of losing the child who is dear to you, but you have to stand the chance of the powerful machinery of government being turned on in order to take away the character of your wife. They tell me that I have no right to pick these hard cases, but I tell my friends I will stop picking them out when they stop putting them in. Then when you go before the bench, the magistrates tell you that they are only administrators of the law, which has been the plea of the greatest persecutors of every age. Remember that the Vaccination Act does not deal with the drunkard. It is the best classes of the country, the earnest, honest people, the Sunday school teachers who love their children in their homes, the Scotch Covenators, and Askew, John Wycliffe, and the apostles of old were told that their persecutors were only the administrators of the law, but they defied the law, and the proudest privileges and blessings we possess have been won for us by the lawbreakers of this country. It is not a question merely of the health, but of the very lives of the children which are at stake in this matter, and I believe that the present century shall not close until we have placed our foot upon the dragon's neck and plunged the sword of liberty through its heart. They tell us we are trying to rouse the country with a crazy cry, the cry of liberty of conscience, and we are not ashamed of that cry. It is that crazy cry which snapped the shackles of despotism in the past. That crazy cry is spreading at the present time throughout the length and breadth of the country. We are told that the intelligent portion of the population is against us. That's false. That crazy cry is ascending higher and higher into a raging and tremendous storm, that liberty which has been won by the blood of our forefathers for the theological conscience is the liberty we demand for the scientific conscience. Already it is thundering at the door of the House of Commons, and it shall be heard. Yes, we are going forward with the crazy cry of liberty of conscience upon our unfurled banner, and we never intend to rest until we get it. I like it. I like it. That's awesome, man. So everybody go to the Substack. It'll be the number one link in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed already, go ahead and subscribe. Did you get that email that talked about uh, there's many more subscribers than your 18 last week? Many people use an RSS. Oh, no, I did not get that email. I'll forward it to you again, but there was a listener who emailed in. They said, by the way, lots more subscribers than just the 18 through Substack. Many of us using RSS. Oh, nice. Which I thought was a good point. And this gentleman gave this speech in England. Did you hear what happened in England this morning? No. This morning, the cabinet concluded that because of the extraordinary booster campaign, together with the way the public have responded to the Plan B measures, we can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow, 
From tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms, and the Department, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The Government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes, and my right honourable friend the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care will set out plans in the coming days. There you go. So that's it. They're out of they've stopped all the COVID measures there. Strategic withdrawal and and Boris Johnson trying to save his prime ministership. Yeah, Boris Johnson's in deep trouble. So it's either strategic withdrawal or the rug pull is incoming. But uh yeah, that's it. That's they are done. So how how much longer till we're done? Till they lift them all around here in all the states. I'm not holding my breath on Washington. Oregon tried to do a uh, uh, mandate in in perpetuity for the masks. So, right. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> well. Before we get out of here, one last clip. I have to do this. This is a uh, a recent endorsement on the best way that you can start a new podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to John's Tech Tutorials. Today we are telling you about the best podcast system to get you fired. Let's get into it. Yeah, let me play the devil's advocate here. Out of the gate, I do recommend an SM7B. Many of your favorite podcasts have been fired from the job using this microphone. You can just dive in here, whether you're talking about some of your new theories on COVID-19, maybe some statistical data on different ethnic groups, a nice full sound. You want to make sure these talking points that will eventually leave you unemployed are recorded crisply and clearly. Now, I personally like to pair losing your job using an SM7B with a Zoom H6 recorder. Whether you're recording a murder podcast that divulges into freeform conversation, not okay for polite society. Now it's time to get into a flow state while you discuss some myths about the Confederacy. Or perhaps exploring some of the inconsistencies with the mainstream media narratives surrounding 9-11. Or depending on your race, maybe you want to use this bad boy to lose your job while touching on some black Israelite theories and you want to make sure it's recorded properly. Press record, maybe call someone an F-bomb and end record. You'll now take out that memory card, thus sealing your fate of being unemployable. You know, remember, this is the beauty of podcasting. It really is the career to end all careers. If you're not ready to have your hobby turn into your full-time gig, that decision's made for you. It take the stress off you, takes the stress off your loved ones. Now that you're losing your job with the SM7B and the Zoom H6, you do want a nice set of cans. You can pop these on and you'll be able to hear yourself clearly as you're getting into some seemingly harmless sexually charged banter with your female producer. Or maybe embark upon some friendly debate on the age-old question of are women funny? Now keep in mind, wrong opinions on controversial subjects is not the only thing that can lead to your termination. So when you get in the zone and for example divulge details of your personal life, whether that be drug use, awkward sexual encounters, or even stories detailing your fireable behavior at your current workplace, you always want to make sure you have a setup that maximizes your ability to grow that podcast to a point where it can be used against you. You know, podcasting is about answering questions, like the question of whether you can have another job. You can't. All right, guys, this has been John's Tech Tutorials, and make sure to tune in next week where I teach you how to use Twitter to workshop jokes on controversial topics. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you and I will never be employable again anywhere, so we might as well make the oh, most of this podcasting thing.
no, we're we're just, you know, we're pl- playing the long game of like throwing in just enough um, audio mishaps and ums and ahs and <laughs> poor transitions and recording while having a headache and being cranky that it will not grow to the point where anyone will ever know. So don't don't worry about it. Oh, Andrew, we're going to tell anybody I had a headache and I was cranky, but thank you for... Uh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Well, I currently have a, uh, a one-year-old on my lap. Uh, she is currently quiet, but that could turn at any moment, so I think we probably should wrap this up. Wrap uh, it up. We're going to uh, thank everybody for listening, and we wanted to t- touch base, go back to you on our words of wisdom for the day. Well, I already, I already did it. That was it. That was it? Yeah, this the speech. Oh, I this. Told you, that. Um, so you told me. I know. Did you tell me that before you read the speech? You told me that, I told at, the you that at the, at the okay. beginning. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was some. I thought. It, I'm sorry. I didn't connect those two things. So, yeah. well, without further ado, thank you for doing a podcast and uh, signing off for the two of us over here and for you over there. Uh, my name is Tim. My name is Andrew. We'll see you next week, maybe. of this podcast as well as links to each story covered are available at revelationsradionews.com to contact Andrew and Tim or to support Revelations Radio News please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the contact tab or support tab please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast As a matter of long-standing policy, the United States does not support political transitions by non-constitutional means. <laughs> political transitions must be democratic, constitutional, peaceful, and legal. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The U.S. has a long-standing practice of not promoting... What did you say? How long-standing is that? I would... 